Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. He's Anthony Busick. How are you, sir? Good, Donnie. How was your weekend? You're up in Ottawa? It was nice. The Rangers, seven unanswered goals. All five on five. How about that? So they were able to check a lot of boxes. One game does not change everything because the night before, it was like no contest against Vegas and they still have a lot of issues, but it was nice up there. And I want to give a shout out to the great uh, Elliot Freeman from the CBC Hockey Night in Canada. Apparently, Dave Maloney had talked to him in Toronto and they're having a conversation about Montana's Ribs, which is exclusively a chain restaurant in Canada, that if you watch any of hockey up in Canada on the uh, center ice package, you see the advertising all the time. And Dave said, where's one in Toronto? But the one in Toronto is like 30, 40 minutes outside the city, so they couldn't go. So Elliot was really nice enough, his producers over at uh, Hockey Night in Canada said, well, you guys are going to be in Ottawa in January, we're going to hook you up. And they delivered the food over to the Canadian Tire Center at 1 o'clock in the afternoon right after the morning skate, and he said it was going to be for 10 people. I think it was like for 30. We ended up feeding like the entire staff during the day. It was amazing. So thanks to Montana's Ribs, they were great. Thanks to Elliot Freeman. So that that really ended up making the trip. Well, I got to tell you, you picked a heck of a trip to go on. That sounds awesome. I wish I was there. Yeah, it was the perfect time to, to, to go. It was uh, really great. I wish I, it was just too inconvenient to bring any of it back, but it probably would have been worth it uh, to heat that stuff up, uh, you know, nuke it in the microwave and eat it. That's how good it was. That like Microwaved three days later still would have been terrific. But, uh, no, the Rangers played well, and, and I guess a good jumping-off point. It's official, not that anybody's surprised that Philip is going to be done for the season. And... I told you that I would kind of just ask around and see when I was up in Ottawa and just what people are saying. And right now, the concern is just him as a person. Yeah, I mean, it has uh, to be, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, if he comes back and he plays, great. But And I still haven't been able to get exactly what went down uh, during the morning skate, that he just got tangled up with a stick, fell down. So it wasn't like anything, from what I understand, that he passed out or, or got dizzy or anything. It just he fell. And I guess the point is, if that's enough to to suffer a setback, then there was no way he'd be in any kind of condition to play games, and that eventually something would have happened that would have knocked him out anyway. So just wish him the best of luck moving forward. But add center now to the list of needs for the Rangers moving forward. Yeah, hard to call this a blessing in disguise, but it almost is because you'd rather this happen in a practice setting where you're not going 100 miles an hour and heaven forbid something happened to Heedle in a game when he got cleared and was good to go, that this kind of cropped up early and they said, you know what, let's just get him some more tests. And they made the decision, of course, the right decision to shut him down. Um, so you feel for him as a player. He hopes to come back next year. And I guess it's a wait and see approach. But I think waiting and making sure that he's all right is, is far more important and far better than the alternative, which is just wait and see, wait and see, wait and see. Um, and yeah, you're right, Don. They do need a center. Uh, they We kind of knew that to begin with. 
Um, but now it's kind of amplified, and knowing that Hedl's not coming back, and you'll get some of that cap money back because he'll be put on LTIR, you kind of have the flexibility to do so. But the question is, are they going to go for it, or has what they've done over the last 30 or so games shown them maybe they're not a cup contender, um, and they're not going to mortgage their future or big prospects True. on a third center. Because remember, this would be a third center. Trocheck and Zabanejad, regardless of how streaky Zabanejad is, are paid like top two centers. So yeah. you're looking for a guy who's kind of going to fill in the gaps here. Um, and again, Johnny Brodzinski had a nice game against Ottawa, but I don't know if he's going to be the guy you say, this has to be my third center going forward. Um, it's kind of, it's an interesting debate, and I saw Arthur Staple in the Athletic report that, you know, uh, Monaghan would be a great uh, asset for this team, but, uh, you know, Drury and Gorton aren't exactly on speaking terms. So that, that kind of that kind of leaves that kind of leaves one team and one specific player out. Now, is that going to let either Gorton or Drury get in the way of improving either of their teams? I, I would it. hope I would hope not. Um, but it could mean that there's a bigger price to pay if you're the Rangers or vice versa. Um, so that is interesting. But I think that is probably their biggest need. Um, the big question, Don, is uh, of course we know where you were. But the question I put on Twitter is where were you when Connor Mackey saved the New York Rangers season? Because it took a 27-year-old journeyman to say, "Hey guys, we need some juice. We need to get we need to get a little more aggressive here." Well, Fights Kachuk, and then the game essentially turns around when they're down to nothing, and it looks like it's going to be one of those games that the Rangers have had over the last 30. That was not the case. You know, it, it's interesting because uh, I'm calling the game, and it's two nothing, and then Mackey, who got called up because the Rangers were playing two defensemen short because Lingering couldn't go because of an injury that was suffered the night before against Vegas. And Jacob Truba suspended two games, and rightly so, for the elbow that he threw in the Vegas game. So he suspended for the Ottawa game and then the first game back after the break, which will be against Colorado. So that's tough. So you're down Truba, you're down uh, Lingren. So they already got Jones, but you can't play with five defensemen. They call up Mackey, who's had 39 games of experience in the NHL. You described it perfectly, a journeyman. It's 2 nothing, and Mackey hits Stutzla. Perfectly legal hit, but you know the way it is in the NHL now. You've got to defend your player, so Kachuk fights Mackey. But and I said at the time to Dave because Dave was complimenting Kachuk because Dave's a big Brady Kachuk fan, and he said, "Hey, that, that's what you do. You got to stand up for your player." And my point was, yeah, I guess you could do that up to nothing, but it's probably not smart in a closer game or down to nothing because is that a fair trade, Brady Kachuk? for Connor Mackey no. for five minutes sitting in the box. And lo and behold, what happened in those five minutes, Rangers come back, take a 3-2 lead, and Kachuk, maybe their best offensive player, can't contribute. And the momentum completely changed because here's Connor Mackey, a journeyman, standing up to Kachuk. And now Kachuk's in the box, their best offensive player, and can't help his team as everything is devolving in, in front of them. And the next thing you know, they end up losing 7-2. So I thought that that was a huge turning point in the game, not just because Mackey had stood up uh, and stood his ground against a really good player, but also taking advantage of Kachuk in the box, and, and the Rangers were able to go out and turn the game around. Yeah, look, I mean, you could you could dissect it all you want. We know Ottawa has not been a good team this year, but that, that hasn't stopped the Rangers within the last 30 games of losing bad games to bad teams. And you're without two of your key defensive pieces in Truba and Lindgren, two guys that not only play solid defensively, but provide the only grit that this team really has outside of maybe Barkley Goudreau. 
Um, and Connor Mackey stepped up and kind of filled in that role of the hard-hitting guy like Truba or the aggressive guy like Lindgren. Um, the team played well in front of Jonathan Quick, and he made some nice saves. I still have a text from Michael Kay on Friday night saying Dr. Steve was right because, of course, Igor did not have his best game against Vegas. He did not. And that Kolasar goal is probably one he'd love to have back that made it 3-1 to one at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, and I texted Michael this at the time, um, you could say Dr. Steve was right, but the team just wasn't playing well in front of him. And yes, he needs to eventually make one of those saves. Steve Alquette said the same thing on Twitter the, the night of. Um, but it was nice to finally see one of those CSA hockey graphics that Steve Alquette put out that said the Rangers gave up the amount of goals they were expected to give up and scored more than the expected goals they were supposed to as opposed to less than they were supposed to get. Um, that hasn't happened recently, and you have to chalk that up a little bit to bad luck. Isn't it funny, Don? How many grade-A chances Alexi Lafreniere has had over the past, I don't know, one and a half to two weeks? Yeah. And the one he gets is on a backhand oh. behind the net off of the uh, off the pad. Sometimes you need those, though, to get yourself going, and hopefully that'll well, be the case for him. Apparently we were sharing the same brain from two countries because I said the same thing to Dave. I'm like, all those incredible opportunities that he couldn't finish on, and it's a, a bank job to, to, to get a goal. They actually caught breaks in the Ottawa game. It was really just a... Um, Complete role reversal in one game that what's been happening to the Rangers the previous 25. Not getting any breaks, not being able to score five on five, relying on the same four guys. So you get a goal from Lafreniere, you get a goal from Wheeler, you get a goal from Kako, you get a goal from Brodzinski for the first time since, uh, what, December 10th. So, but again, it's Ottawa. But it was a team that a month ago beat the Rangers in Ottawa 6-2. to So it was a Senator team that had played well recently. And they, they they put a seven spot. They put a touchdown up and, and win the game seven to two. So we'll see how that uh, like that turned things around. Philadelphia is in free fall. Anthony, they've lost five in a row now. The Rangers are catching a break in the sense that there really isn't anybody in the Metropolitan Division taking advantage of the Rangers' flight, with the exception of the Hurricanes. Yes, who are right now two points back of the Rangers as they go into the All Star break. But otherwise, Philadelphia's lost five in a row, and, and we don't know if they're going to be able to ever get Carter Hart back this year. The Islanders are what, one, two, and one under Patrick Waugh. They had a tough loss against Florida. Again, score late. Again, losing overtime, the Islanders. The Devils, they're a mess as well. Um, Pittsburgh is the one team that I think can replace Philadelphia because they're playing better. Plus 12 goal differential, we've talked about that. The only team with a plus goal differential right now out of the playoffs. But you look at the landscape of the Metropolitan Division, who best outside of Carolina to take advantage because uh, there's nobody else that even with the Rangers kind of free fall here lately, they still go into the break with 33 games left in the season, a first place team. Yeah, Devils too. Not not what you want. Two game losing streak, three six and one in their last ten. I know they've got their injuries, but that team and you're seeing it out of the locker room too. Talking about, I think Nico Heischer said that the last game against the Lightning was an embarrassment. They're frustrated. They think that they should be playing better, regardless of their injuries. Um, not having good goaltending is not helping. Um, not having Jack Hughes certainly doesn't help. But that's a team that you thought would be competing for that top three. The Flyers were a surprise team, as you said, Don. They're in free fall. It's really just Carolina, and in my opinion, that's it. Uh, 
I, I don't think the Rangers are going to bottom out here and not make the playoffs. I think they'll still be a top three team in the Metro. It's either going to be the Rangers or Carolina to win the division, in my opinion. I'd be very surprised if the Islanders, Penguins, Devils, or Flyers get themselves on a run here, especially without Carter Hart for the Flyers, to get to either the number one or number two spot in the Metro. Um, it's really it's either the Rangers or Carolinas to lose. They both have the same goal differential now. Carolina's mm-hmm. playing much better than the Rangers at the moment. They now have a game in hand, and they're only two points back. Um, if I had to pick a team, it would be Carolina. I'd find it hard to believe anybody else in the Metro takes the one or two spots. Yeah, I mean, that's what uh, we were talking about on the Michael K. show, that is Dr. Steve, friend, they're going to fall out of the playoffs. Well, it takes two to tango, and I just don't see that there's enough teams there that'll knock the Rangers out of the top three position. Now, if they were to fall to the wild card, it's a different story. But even there, uh, I, I don't really see that big of a concern. Now, you flip over to the West. How concerned would you be if you're the Los Angeles Kings? You know, you're Very. not being able to win at home, but you look at the month of January and just scanning what they've done just in this month, and they're a team that's only won two games in the month of January. Now, they've gotten a couple of overtime losses, so they've earned some points. But, you know, coupled with the 16-game winning streak Edmonton's been able to produce now, second most in the history of the league, they've dropped down to the wild card. I'd be a little concerned. Kopitar's not doing anything for them now. The injury to to, um, to Copley's a, a problem. Uh, the Los Angeles Kings, they seem to be in that same kind of malaise here in the 24 portion of the season and it's going to cost them a top three spot in the division and it might cost them a playoff spot yeah they're arguably not even arguably they are playing slightly worse than the rangers uh in this stretch now the difference was that while the kings did have a good start to the season we said wow only being 500 at home is very strange for them and that you know that's not going to pan out well because eventually your away record is going to even itself out a little bit here whereas the rangers were playing good both home and away and while they've kind of uh, taken a slide here. They've slid both home and away. The uh, Kings have decided to continue to play poorly at home, having six overtime losses, and then also are now 14-6-4 on the road. So they've kind of evened themselves out, and unfortunately, that's come back to bite them. The Blues now have won five straight. Yeah. They have a game. They've played one more game than the Kings, but they are now in that final wild card spot, and we thought the Blues were dead and buried. Um, Bennington streaky goalie. But you know what? That's another team now that you got to worry about. And now what's becoming a little bit tighter of a, of a race in the wild card because you have to think now, even if Edmonton slips a little bit, they got you have to think they're not only a case for the top three in the Pacific, but they're going to probably fight for a wild card spot. So between them and the Kings, you got the Blues, Predators, Kraken. I'm still going to hold Arizona in there but against my better judgment. Lost three straight. They are five points out of a playoff spot. But... We talked about how we thought the West was one, Don, and it seems like every other week a team goes on a five-game winning streak in the West and they keep themselves in the conversation. I don't think the Predators are all there. I do love Soros. Uh, The Kraken a little too streaky. The Coyotes, young. Um, I know they have some veteran talent, but I consider them young in terms of the big talent that they have to score goals for them. This is going to be very interesting, and if the Kings continue to bottom out, it's just going to add to a bigger cluster of those, I don't know, maybe four or five teams in the West that can win those wildcard spots. Now, I know everything's about streaks, but I think the reason Seattle is two points back is because of that nine-game winning streak. Right, exactly. So, so how good are they really? But all these teams are kind of the same. As you said, Nashville, they're going to rely heavily on their goaltending, minus four goal differential. Seattle, same thing, minus five goal differential. Arizona, four straight losses, but they're only at minus four. Calgary... 
I don't know how to I'm, feel about. I told them. you, I'm. I'm de- they lost to the Blue they Jackets. They should be They're sellers. Done They're done. Min- Minnesota's not good. I mean, I'll I'll keep Arizona alive for now, but it just feels like right now. I feel like you're doing that for me, and I appreciate it. I, Listen, Winnipeg's on a little bit of um, a malaise right here, so they've dropped the third in the central. But Colorado, Dallas, Winnipeg, lock in the central. Vancouver, Vegas, Edmonton, to me, is a lock in the Pacific. So now it's just a matter of wild card. So it's Kings, Blues, Predators, Kraken. I think those are the – so it's 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 four teams for two spots. Probably, as we get deeper, it might end up being just three. If I had to pick two, I'm going to keep the Kings just because I think, again, similar to what they thought about the Rangers, you don't play as good as you did earlier in the season and just kind of lose that. They certainly have to find it again, but I think that they're going to do enough to keep themselves, whereas they've at least had a streak like St. Louis and Seattle, whereas Nashville really hasn't streaked a whole lot. And the Coyotes, I know they've had a, they had a couple of games where they had, I think it was a 10-game streak where they had under two goals given up. That's not going to last. Um, for them. So, in terms of teams that have kind of gone on runs here that can kind of get themselves either back into it or put some distance, it'd be the Kings or the Kraken, and now I guess the Blues. Those would be my three teams to kind of keep an eye on. I think the Predators are going to sit where they are, and they're just going to just gonna miss outside looking in. Um, I think the Kings will hold on, and then you're kind of fighting for just those that one spot between the Blues, Predators, and Kraken. Um, and I don't like the Predators in that spot, and I didn't like the Blues up until a week ago. So I really don't know about that eighth spot. I'm not going to take a pick because every time I seem to take one, the team falls off. Right. Um, not not very exciting for the podcast listeners, but that's uh, right now I'm going to be in a wait-and-see mode, especially with the break coming up. Just kind of see how everybody comes out of it, see how many adjustments are made for these well, teams that are struggling a little bit. Well, we've seen co- coaching changes, and you know, Hines gave a bit of a spurt to Minnesota, but that's petered out. But, you know, Another the team that could be sellers, Bannister, no? eventually... What's that? I'm sorry? Another team that could be sellers, no? Not that they have would, a lot to sell, but... I would think, and then you look at the the, the move that that St. Louis made. It seems like it's had a little bit more traction, and so the Blues might be for real. Now I don't think any of these teams are winning a cup. I don't think the Blues are going to pull off what they did in 2019, but I do think that they could still be a very much a playoff team. So that's what we're looking at. There's still it's kind of a very odd schedule because everybody treated Saturday, Anthony. Like it was if, the end. Like, it's the end, and we'll we'll see you next week. And it was for the majority of teams, but like it was odd because we we're talking to the guys from the Senators, and they they still had two more games to play, which was odd. They're playing tonight against the Predators, the only game on the schedule. It's a game Nashville has to win, and then they actually go to Detroit to play the Red Wings on Tuesday. Or, or, excuse me, Wednesday. They're so hot right now. They're the still Wings. playing until Wednesday, but they're not going to come back and play until the 14th, until the 10th. So there are a few teams, like most teams were done on Saturday and will come back either Monday or Tuesday, the 5th or the 6th. But the handful of teams that are still playing, the Ducks, the Sharks, the Kings, the Predators, the Red Wings, the Senators, Kraken, Blue Jackets, They'll actually start a little bit later on because they're going to sp- still play this week. But it's just odd. One game today, two games tomorrow, three games on Wednesday. Kind of odd, the scheduling of it. I-, I don't know whether it's because TNT just wanted a game on Wednesday because that Kings-Predators game is going to be on TNT. So I don't know whether they were just honoring the television schedule by stretching it out, but it was just odd that everybody just wasn't shut down 
after play on Saturday. Weird. Well, that's by the way, Don. That's that's two games you want to talk about. Kind of sleepwalking into the break, what like some teams do. Not saying that it's the right thing to do, but you see the end in sight. You know you're going into a break that you got a little bit tired legs after half of a season. These are two big games for the Predators. They're playing tonight against the Senators. Is a game that even though it's in Ottawa, you would hope that they would win. The Senators are the worst team in the East. Then they come back on Wednesday, like you said, TNT National game, and they're playing a struggling Kings team, a team that they're that they're behind at the present moment in the wild card standings, and the Kings have two games in hand on them. They get those two games. They find themselves in a wild card spot heading into the break. That would be nice for them. I, again, I don't necessarily see it because I could easily see Nashville losing to the Kings, especially when the Kings are playing their best and. Look, I've seen Nashville lose bad games, so that could be a game they lose to the Senators, who have a very high-scoring offense. Um, Saros will have to kind of stand on his head there. That those are those are two big games for them. Those aren't games that you could just say, "All right, let's see what happens." Hopefully, we split. If you're a Predators fan, you want them to win both those games. I just don't look at any of these teams, quite honestly, as legitimate like threats. I don't either, but this would be the time for them to. But you never know. You get into the playoffs, you get hot. You know, something happens, but. You know, are the Predators making a run? Not, I don't now, think again, so. We had this conversation over and over again. Well, where was Florida at this time last year? Where were the St. Louis Blues at this time back in 2019? Remember January 1st, they were the worst team in the NHL. I understand there's always runs. You never know in any given moment. I mean, I, that's what the Islanders are counting on, quite frankly, too, right? Is that they get into the playoffs. Patrick Waugh is coach. Sorokin stands on his head. Maybe you can make some sort of a run. But what Florida proved and what St. Louis proved, St. Louis made a coaching change. St. Louis called up Bennington. Those are major moves. You change a coach and a goaltender, that's a major needle mover. Plus, the Blues were a team that had been a perennial playoff team, just couldn't get over the hump. But you look at now, like the Islanders, is that team making a run unless they make a move? No. Honestly. And I think Patrick, listen, I'm not going to kill Patrick Waugh for the fact that they've won just one game since he's come back here uh, to, to coach. But, you know, it takes a little bit. You look at look what Florida proved, right? We were having a nice conversation. I got to tell you, I, I wish you were there uh, with uh, Jacques Martin. Oh, I'm definitely honored. All right. Now, so, so Jacques Martin talks to the media, and then he sits and talks to the broadcasters after, kind of an informal kind of conversation. And a lot of the they, – they, they all – they let their hair down a little bit, and they talk – Jacques talked for 20 minutes. I don't think anybody asked a question. That's not nothing. Like He was just talking about just the sport in general and coaching, and he had great things to say about you know, players that aren't great, but coaches are responsible for coaching them up. He talked about how Ben Lovejoy wasn't the greatest player, but they made it work with him, and, and Nick Benino in Pittsburgh, that he was slow, but yet they found a way to make it work for him. Like It was really good stuff, Like and he said about how you're as a coach you're supposed to love your players but don't fall in love with your players because you've got to make very difficult decisions and he he was living in Florida I guess last year he was he was an assistant coach with the Rangers for a year but we missed out on it because it was during COVID so we didn't get a chance to talk to him but Joe had played with him a little bit in St. Louis and knew him Joe Micheletti so we really had a nice conversation with Jock and he talked about he was down in Florida and he said it takes time to put a system together you know, you judge everything by wins and losses, and sometimes a team wins and goes, oh, well, the, the system's working, or they lose, the system's not working. But you got to look deeper into it to see if things are actually working or players gelling together. And Florida almost missed the playoffs last year. But he says, I watched them every day, and I saw that they were getting it. 
they were starting to get better. It wasn't resulting in wins, but they were starting to get Paul Maurice's system down. They were starting to play better. And they caught the break. Pittsburgh loses to Chicago. And it, it started to gel where he said, now you see what that team is. So it wasn't a fluke what happened last year. They were a really good team. It just didn't show in the standings right away. Pittsburgh gives them the break. They gel right at the right time. They they almost win the Stanley Cup. And this year, they're one of the best teams in the NHL. Like, it was really illuminating that, you know, we look at these runs and what are fluky and what are not fluky, that Florida's run really was not a fluke. So you can't just rely all the time, oh, you just got to be in it, get your goaltender hot, and, and you can go a long way. It, it's more than that, Anthony. And I don't know if any of the teams we're talking about are in that kind of position where you say that's a team ready to gel or are they just a team that's just taking advantage of the, of the circumstances and they're going to be one and done. Yeah, and look, I think that especially with the Islanders, I think Lane Lambert kind of wasn't given the dealt the best hand by getting all of Barry Trott's players. And essentially, I'm not saying that he is doesn't play Trott's system, but it's a team that played in a system very, very well. And whatever Lambert tried to change to generate more offense, they kind of lost their defensive structure a little bit. And that kind of hurt them more than it helped them because they didn't have the players offensively to combat uh, not being as good defensively as they were with Barry Trotz. Now, you're right, Don. I'm sure that over time here, and you could see it from the locker room that a lot of Islander players are very happy with Patrick Waugh, that the system will help. I just, and we talked about it when we contemplated this very early in the season when they were struggling, I'm not sure that they have the players to make a run as far as, let's say, yes, could they sneak into the playoffs maybe? Okay, sure, we could have that argument, but are they going to win a series? Are they going to win two series? No, I, I think that still... You need top-flight scoring. It doesn't seem like they have that, or they don't have the players around to make guys like Barzell and Horvat better, like the Rangers do, like the top teams in the East do, like Boston, and you could even throw... Look, I mean, they're not a top team right now, but you could throw Toronto in there. I mean, where's the, where's the scoring on this Islanders team coming from? You could play as good a system all you want. Peter Laviolette has shown that with the 1-3-1 with the Rangers, but if you're not scoring more than three goals a game, it's going to be hard to win more often than not. So... Yes, it'll take time, and there's no way to say this has been a success or failure yet. Absolutely not. But the way that I determine success is, are the players happy, and does it look better? I'm not necessarily saying the Islanders look a million times better than they were, but they seem happier with Patrick Waugh behind the bench, and if that's the case, then it's already a success. And so, right, so you can look at the one, two, and one, say, ah, it's not working. It's going to probably take some time. And, and, And they're right there. I mean, they've got a little work to do, but they're right there as far as maybe still finding a way to get into the playoffs. They are five points back of the Red Wings. That's not a lot. Give it some time. We'll see. Pittsburgh, to me, there's a very good chance they can make just because of the sheer number of games in hand they have. They have three games in hand on Detroit, sitting six points back of the Red Wings. That was a huge win for Pittsburgh on Saturday, coming back and winning in overtime in Montreal. But it's it's going to be fun. It's going to go right down to the wire. Should be a lot. Should be a really good time watching these games down the stretch. I I, I don't like the All Star. I want to keep playing. Oh look, I hear you on that. But you know these guys these guys like the break. I would especially look. It figures the Rangers have seemingly figured out their five on five play. Played one of their best games in two months, and now they have a week to think about it. 
Um, but it also comes at a good time with the Lindgren injury and kind of establishing where they want to go in terms of looking for a center now. They know Heedle's not coming back. And some of these teams, I'm sure the Kings are going to welcome the fact that they're not going to play for a week. Uh, the teams that are hot going into the bye, they're upset about it. The teams that are struggling, they get a chance to kind of go under the hood and see what's going on. Something you can't do when you're traveling from city to city and only having one or two practices a week. So um, it might come at a good time for certain teams, but for you and me, people that love to just watch the sport, we're going to have to deal with the, let's see, three, four, five, six games we have left on the docket for the rest of the week. Now, you know, the Rangers coming out of the break, that's why the game on Saturday was so huge. They're down 2 nothing. You know, oh, they lost that game to the Senators. They're in a lot of trouble. You come back home to take on the Avalanche, and you're going to do it without Jacob Truba. Not good. And then you got to take on Tampa. Also not good. Now, you go to Chicago. All right, that should be a win. Then you come home for Calgary and Montreal, so certainly, you know, manageable games there. Manageable uh, if they play well, Don. Manageable if they play well, and we've and seen... And then you go into the pomp and circumstance of the stadium series, so... Oh, God. You know, uh, you, you, you don't need it. Like, I, I'm, I'm sure nobody's going to say it. They're all going to be on their best behavior, but, like, that's the last thing you need is all of that when your team's struggling. And, it, and then, by the way, that'll be the first meeting with the Islanders. How ridiculous is that? We will be at game, what, like 55 when the Islanders and... Rangers finally get a chance to play, and then oh by the way, here comes Dallas. You got you got to be in New Jersey, Philadelphia. So and then a, a home and home against Columbus. So it's not a, a terrible month of February for the Rangers, but it is going to start out tough with those two games at home against Colorado and Tampa. Uh, so if they had lost to Ottawa and then you come back maybe with a couple of losses after the break, you know then you could be in complete free fall. So they get the win against Ottawa. See what you can do over those next two. Beat Chicago, come home, beat Calgary, Montreal, and start getting things going here. I still believe in my heart that when it's all said and done, the Hurricanes are going to win this division. Well, look, they're your, they're your cup team with the Stars, and right now right. those two teams are looking like they can at least make noise to get to their own conference finals, respectively. I think the Stars have a harder time than the Hurricanes in doing so, just because I think that the way Carolina plays, defense plays well in the playoffs. They will need the scoring, and we've seen in certain series, you're like, wow, how did they lose that series? And it's just because their top guys don't score. They're going to need that. The Stars have the firepower. Ottinger has to play better, same way with Jesterkin for the Rangers, if they want to make a deep run. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up, Don, I saw it on Twitter, and I wish I could find it again and give credit to who, to who uh, found this. Uh, an addendum to what we said was the worst of the stadium series jerseys in the islanders it looks like at some point in time the long island railroad had a train that was all dark blue or navy blue whatever you want to call the islander blue that they have with an orange lettering and if it's an ode to that fine but the fact that I needed to figure it out three right. weeks after it got released means you weren't clear enough on it. So <laughs> yeah, it's an so. ode to the old Long Island Railroad trains. Good for you. I'm sure that people on Long Island knew, or I'm sure, but I saw a lot of fans that were very upset with what it was. So I'm not necessarily sure that they explained that clearly enough, but if they're making an ode to an old Long Island Railroad train, then fine. I'll roll my eyes and say, all right, it's just something that, that was a miss for me, but at least there's some reasoning behind why it looks like a block-lettered word art jersey for the stadium yeah, series it's always that's the the new wave of uh, jerseys so I, I think the rangers are fine flyers are fine devils and islanders uh they should go back to work i asked somebody just off the record why did they take so long to come out with the jerseys like it didn't seem to make a lot of sense why wouldn't you have come out with these jerseys before christmas try to get a big sale during the holidays right 
Why did you yeah. wait until like three weeks before? But off the right, it was explained to me that I, I think the league didn't want to mess with the Rangers' third jersey. And the All-Star jerseys came out last the week, the week So the All-Star jersey. Nobody's think buying the, those, by the way. Right, So the, but, but the Rangers launched their third jersey, so now they're trying to get those out there, and do you want to kind of muck things up by throwing another jersey in there? So they wanted to get that, get that standalone and then come out with these, and you still have enough time to... To purchase them, so well, that that was explained to me. So that made sense because everybody's like, "Well, why wouldn't you bring, why wouldn't you launch this like in early December and get get some traction or whatever?" But I think that might have been a reason for it. Let's call so. this an unfortunate coincidence. But the fact that the jerseys are going to be released on sale the same day that uh, the Canadian police are going to release their findings in the Hockey Canada investigation, Ugh. even if it was already supposed to be February fifth that we were going to release the jerseys, kick it up a day or kick it back a day. Well, and in my opinion. Too, the other thing too that people thought it was kind of just a distraction when all that news came down was that the Utah the, thing. The, the Utah wants yeah. an expansion team. Let's let, just let's talk about that for a second, okay? Why not? Since 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 it came up, what what are we doing? I, I, what do you I, mean? Well, I I don't. It just seems odd to me that we're going to actually have thirty four teams. It was odd to me that we had thirty two, but the NFL's got thirty two. It seems like. Major League Baseball is going to expand soon. The uh, NBA is hot to get to Vegas and Seattle. So, like, 32 seems we're going to rest. So now we're going to go to 34. And I'm sorry, you can't be expanding and still have that Arizona thing in the air here. Now, if you're going to tell me that Arizona is eventually going to move to Utah, well, now that makes sense. They can stay in the, in the same division. But they're talking straight expansion here. And no, not no harm, no foul. So good for Utah. And that shows that there's interest in the NHL and... They've got a basketball team there, and they're hot to get a hockey team. And um, there's actually been some talk that, uh, that if anything, because I guess there's some, I haven't followed it as closely, but I guess there's been some hiccups with the A's move to Vegas. Interesting. And, and that maybe Utah might want to swoop in and take the A's. So it looks like Utah's trying to get, there's not that big of a difference between Vegas and Utah as far as geographically is concerned. So that would kind of concern me a little bit. Weather-wise, it, maybe. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I just don't... If you're going to tell me that Arizona's going to move to Utah, fine. All right? That makes sense. Because this Arizona thing, they've gave it a good try for 30 years. It hasn't worked. But if you're going to expand to 34 teams... So what's the other? Is it going to be Houston? Portland? Like, where where are we going? Yeah, another. Te- I guess Western another teams. Texas team could be, could be in play. Um, God, I'm trying, trying to think of who else would kind of... Well, Houston. To I mean, me, we're going to do Atlanta again. You know how this is done. Well, oh, you that, know what? That's we really work Atlanta. Too. That would be the, good. There's so much traction about Atlanta. This would be the third go in Atlanta. And I know that the excuses about what happened with the Flames and the Calgary deal was just too good to give up. And ownership was bad with the Thrashers. And if they get the ownership correct, I, I just, I called, I called games down there. There was never anybody in the building. The people that were in the building were all rooting for the Rangers because I was calling Ranger games. There was no buzz around that team whatsoever. Uh, I don't know why the NHL would have an appetite. I guess television has something to do with it. Is it the relationship with Turner? Because Turner's in Atlanta. Would they want to put a team? Is, is that the angle? Because that was always the angle about uh, wanting to go back to Hartford, right? Mm. We want to be able to be close to ESPN. That's uh, not is, close. <laughs> is that the angle of, 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 of because of the relationship with Turner? All right, fine, but you got to make it work for me. And I, I would rather see a team in Houston. Uh, I would rather see a team back in Quebec City. 
then I would want to see a team back in Atlanta. Anyway, that was good. Uh, apologies. I never heard back from EJ. EJ usually comes on Monday. We couldn't work it out, so maybe we'll try on Wednesday with EJ. Uh, so we didn't put the social media blast out there because we thought we were going to have EJ Raddick. So Wednesday, we'll get more social media involved at Don LaGreca, at Anthony Pusick, hashtag game misconduct. Make sure you put the hashtag game misconduct so that we can find them and we'll be able to read them on the air. So we got a handful of games. Uh, before the literal all-star break. Just one game tonight, Pred sends, two games tomorrow, and then three games on Wednesday. So we'll be back with you again on Wednesday. Want to get in touch with us again, at Don LaGreca, at Anthony Pusick. We will talk to you again on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.